Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Welcome to the Forthright Woman podcast. I am Ann Candido, and I am joined here by my co-founder and business partner, April Martini. April, you want to introduce yourself? Of course. So as Ann just stated, I am the other half of Forthright People and super excited to kick off Forthright Women. Yes, and we're going to get into some really deep topics when it comes to being working mom specifically, and then just women in leadership roles. So let's jump on in. All right. So April, the first thing that I would like to talk about is where do you struggle the most in being an executive mom and what do you do about it? Because I know you have two small kids Mm -hmm. and so you're like really in the thick of it in the young age group right now. And so I'm sure it's quite a bit to juggle. So What do you struggle with the most and what do you do about it? Sure. So one of the things that I was always striving for in my career once I had kids was more fluidity is how I've always described it. And so the last agency I worked at really was the one that should have worked. But the fact that I was in meetings nine to five kicked me right into that lack of flexibility with the level I was at. And so... While I really enjoy working for myself or working for us, I guess, right now, the biggest thing that I find myself stressed out about is keeping it all together. So Mm -hmm. going back, while I love the fluidity of the schedule, keeping track of all the things that need to happen and then making sure they all happen because you just said, you know, I have two young kids. And so... I feel like throughout the course of any given day when I have help, which is typically between the hours of about 9 to 4 or 9 to 5, I am doing all the things in that period of time to the best of my ability so that then when the kids are home, I can deal with the fact that they're back. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And so my juggling becomes, okay. I jump from responding to a teacher to doing an episode for the podcast to talking to a client. And so a lot of times what I have to do and what I find myself doing through the course of the day in order to keep it all together is really honestly taking a moment when I'm feeling overwhelmed and taking a really deep breath and then just doing the next thing that has to be done right now. And I become Mm -hmm. really hyper-focused on, okay, everything else has to go away and I just need to check this one thing off. And then I do the next and then I do the next and then I do the next and I become almost robotic about it because I have to in order to start to tackle it. Because if I sit in the list, then I can't make myself do anything. Yeah, I think the overwhelm is definitely very real. And I think that's that's seemed to be like a prevalent thing across the board for sure. Is there like any specific tools that you use in order to be able to keep yourself disciplined? Because I know that's a big struggle. It's like, oh, squirrel here. Oh, like this over <laughs> here. Like where do, where do I go to first? When, who needs me the most? What's my biggest priority right yeah. now? Like how do you like make sure that you're prioritizing right? And then how do you – or I guess the question I asked was what tools do you use in order to keep yourself disciplined? Yeah, so I'm a huge list maker. Mm-hmm. And my lists are prioritized. So I generally have – things that need to get done today, things that need to get done this week, and then things that are more long-term. And then I use my calendar as well. So 
every usually Sunday, and it's not a long amount of time because I try not to work on the weekends as much as possible, but in order to get my brain ready for the week, I go through and I look at the blocks of things that are scheduled on my calendar, and then I start to mentally prepare myself for what has to happen outside of those blocks in order to achieve every day. And then the other thing that I do is different areas or different work environments so if I really need to sit and focus, I'm in my office. Like if mm-hmm. I've got to hammer some stuff out and I can't be distracted, I'm in there. That's like my heavy thinking space. If I'm on a design review and I don't, I think, I don't know why this has become the space, but I sit on the front porch. Oh, interesting. Um, because for whatever reason, like the air and it's been so hot, so yeah. I can't really sit in the back. But that fresh air and just the movement of, you know, the um, neighborhood helps me have like the creative juices flowing. And then if I'm literally tackling just a list, I sit in the kitchen and that's because people are going by on the trail all day long. And I love the energy of other people when I'm like just trying to get things done. It sort of fuels me to be able to go and do those things. And it sounds formulaic when I say it, but it's really just back to your question and the point, more like the tools to help me cue myself This is what needs to get done. And this is where we do these different things. And then the prioritization of the list in partnership with the calendar helps me feel like I have everything somewhere, even if it's not the thing I'm working on right this minute. Yeah, I think you made two really good points. One is like following the energy. And we say that a lot to to folks because I think a lot of times folks feel very stuck in wherever their environment is. But even if you're in a corporate environment, you can decide like, I'm going to go take my stuff and I'm going to go work someplace else. Absolutely. Or I'm going to go work outside for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to be chained to your desk. You don't need to be chained to wherever your work like facility is. Follow where the energy is so that it allows you to have that new sense of inspiration and new sense of connectivity. Like it, it definitely is something to say, like picking these certain spaces for doing certain work is mm-hmm. like really, really important. And then I like the tools. Like I use my calendar a lot too. So even in um, when I have a task that has to be done that day, or I'm just like trying to remind myself, the best thing that I've found is I put it as an all day event mm-hmm. at the top of my calendar. So then it becomes almost like a list. So it's all in one place because I'm finding if I have a list here, even though I do have my post-it note list for sure, and I have one like urgent and then I have one like per client like that has to be done. <laughs> yep. But like if I know it's like, okay, I need to remind myself to look for this or I need to remind myself to call this person. Like it is in an all day meeting event that shows up at the top of my calendar every day so that I can be aware of that that has to be done that day. Otherwise, I find that I'm like kind of like all over the place when it comes to do I need to call this person? When does this person need to know? And I, oh, I don't want to forget that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I love some of those tools that you um, you provided. Like I said, I use very similar ones. So, April, what personal brand characteristics have you had to rely on in order to be successful, both in life and business? Yeah, I, I chuckled when you posed this one to me before this episode because you know that this is definitely um, well something that I actively consider and participate in on a regular basis. Um, and it's something at fourth rate people that we have as a primary focus of our business, helping people define and then focus on and then manage through their personal brands. So, but to answer the question, for me, there's two things about me that were identified in one of those personality tests early on, but that I've kept with me along the way. And that is I'm super achievement oriented and I'm a lifelong learner. And there, those are just two of the fundamental things about me 
that have never changed. And when I'm in a bad place, it's because I'm not achieving and I'm not learning. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in a good place, it's because I'm achieving and learning. And so I know we'll talk about this in a bit, but the way that I orient even my relaxation, quote unquote, time pays homage to these things. But the single way in which I make sure to calibrate myself or the characteristic that I feel like I play up and down depending on where I am on any given day is my directness. Mm, yeah. So. Amen to that. <laughs> and Anne's maybe not been on the receiving end of the harsh directness, um, but certainly I know you know when I'm in these phases, it's like I all of a sudden have this compulsion to just clear out the brush. Like yeah. I, I literally get this picture in my head where I'm like, it's all got to go. Like I just need it away. I need it out. And that laser focus that I mentioned in the previous point comes out to play in my directness where I just have no patience, but I, I not in a way that I try, I get aggressive with people or I'm nasty, or at least I try not to be, we all have our points that we reach. Right. But it's just more about, okay, I can't like, I can't tiptoe around this anymore. I mm-hmm. can't sit in this any longer. I just need this to be dealt with. And so then that's where that robotic thing comes in where I'm like, this happened, this is done. This has got to be done. I got to tell this person this and I just keep moving on. I know that my directness can be off-putting for some people. I've recently started saying I'm an acquired taste, which I think is a very good definition of myself. (laughs) Um, But it is a tool in my arsenal, right? It's a thing that's fundamental to who I am. And when I feel like I got to get stuff done, I tap into that. And I'm unapologetic about it. Yeah, and I think too what that does as well is it it sets up a, a really healthy respect for your time and other people's time. Yeah, too. I mean yeah. this is one reason why we name forthright people forthright people because yes. it's all about making sure you, know, you are direct in a way that helps to facilitate the process because mm-hmm. we waste too much time, energy, money kind of dancing around the topics. Now, there's some element of style and tact mm-hmm. and all those sure. sorts of things that you need to have and respect for other people in general, but respect for people's times in, in knowing that their goals are important, what they're trying to achieve that day is important as well as mine. It, it, it makes a really good rapport with regards to, okay, we, we got each other. We're going about getting stuff done. I get it. That doesn't mean we can't say hi and see how each other's doing. But that's why, you know, you have like agendas for meetings mm-hmm. and you <laughs> and all those things that you actually are honoring people's time and and their energy and their goals. So, yeah, I, think I mean, those are important ones, too. I'll give I'll give a really specific example. You know, we have I've said on our on our other show that we've had contractors a ton, right, because we just built this house and they always want a four hour window. I don't have I don't have time for that, right? And so my directness has become, okay, fine. Put me 8 to 12 on Monday morning or whenever. I am frequently out in the mornings walking the dog and then going on my own workout. I need a 15 to 20 minute heads up yep, before anyone is going to come. Yep. If you ping me, I promise to be back. If you don't, I may or may not be here. That's where we are. Yep. And just that, I mean, I think people don't always realize to your point about wasted energy and things there's flexibility in the system if you can be direct about what you need and what you want. And then to your other point, it saves time for everyone because if the person shows up and I'm not here, they're annoyed. If I sit in this house for four hours in the morning and they come at 1130 and now I'm mad that I didn't walk the dog or go for a run, that's not good for me either. Right. So that's where I really tap into the directness. And it's not, it's it's transactional really in nature. It's like I... I want what's best for you. I want what's best for me. Let's figure out a different way to make this work that doesn't put pain or pressure on the system. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point. All right, where do you think female leaders are still getting in their own way? 
Oh, yes. So I think this notion of having it all and perfection and this striving towards some holy grail that I just don't believe exists. I had this conversation with a friend the other day. I reached out. We actually have done some work with her. So I was asking if she wanted help on a project. And I, you know, casually said, oh, it looks like the first day of school went well, you know, whatever. And a comment came back of, wouldn't it be interesting if we put our whole reality of life on social media instead of just the bright moments? And we kind of got into this Mm -hmm. theoretical conversation, right? But I think it, it proves out the point I'm trying to make here really nicely, which is I think we put the pressure on ourselves, whether we acknowledge it or not, to strive for a certain perfection that I just don't believe is achievable. And when I find myself in these moments where I just did it on Sunday, we're having a birthday party for my four-year-old, and I started to feel the angst the day before of, oh my gosh, there's nicks on the wall, and we haven't put the rock path out back, and we, you know, all these household things came up. And finally, I was like, April, it's the family. They've been yeah. here a million times. They're in and out of this house all the time. Nobody cares. How much time do you want to spend on this? And then be okay with that amount of time and have it be what it is. It took so much pressure off of myself. I went to tennis in the morning. Mm-hmm. I actually did do the rock path with my sister, which was hilarious and fun. We're like carting these giant rocks down the path. Meanwhile, my husband's like doing it again, last minute things, you know. And I was like, actually, no, I've allotted myself an hour and a half to prep for the actual party, to decorate, to get the food together. And on the other end, I was like, if I'm still putting the appetizers out when everybody's arriving, who cares? Who cares? And it just alleviated that whole thing around the idea of perfection or having to show up a certain way. I've put that pressure on myself all my life. And just knowing that about myself and then when that angst starts, finding ways to turn it off. But I think we all suffer as women to that to some degree. And it's a version probably of guilt, but I always look at it more as pressure (laughs) that I'm instilling on myself of things that actually don't matter if I can step back from it and be more objective. I think that's really interesting. I also think it's about expectations, right? Yep. Because it's the expectations that we put on ourselves, either perceived or real. And you checked yourself on that. You're like, this is my family, right? They've seen this place as it is. They're not going to come on Saturday and be like, or Sunday and be like, oh, April, you didn't do this and this and this. I mean, mm-hmm. from what they saw earlier this week. But even if they did... That is about how you feel about it. And you have a choice about how you feel about it if they were going to call you out on those things versus having to do it just to continue to please everybody for yeah. what to what purpose and to what extent. Yes. Some of it is very self-generated and it could be expectations of our family, expectations of our kids, expectations of our, our business or our work or um, and you name it, our spouse. It's all these expectations that we kind of pull up into this whole big like cloud of like what I feel like I need to do in order to please everybody else. But sometimes we forget to like, okay, what do I feel like I need in order to be happy and feel good and feel fulfilled with where I'm at? And if it's having a rock path, you know, it's having a rock path. (laughs) But then you use your like brilliant scheduling skills to make sure it all fit in and you're not like scrambling around because that's the other thing. We have like 20 things going on at once and we kind of flitting from one thing to the next. We don't quite finish anything. Yeah. So yeah. So I love that what you had to say about that. That's great. All right. Our last question for this, and we're going to go into some quick fire questions is what do you think needs to change within the world of business to enable more women to rise? 
So I think this ties really closely to what I said in the previous response, which to me, it all goes back to realness. If we would just all be honest with each other to the conversation Mm -hmm. we just had and then support each other, we would all be in a much better place. I feel like I have a lot of these exact conversations and one-off conversations, whether with our coaching clients or with you, Anne, or with other women that I think have quote unquote, wisened up (laughs) to these things where there is no perfection, there is no holy grail, we're all just doing the best we can, and that if we can allow ourselves a little bit of grace, it'll be that much better for us. Um, But I think I've been talking a lot lately about judgment, and I feel a lot of judgment when I take a strong stance about the perspective that I just gave, that there is no perfection, that it doesn't have to be perfect, that if we would all just admit that, we would be better off. I think a lot of times the response, and, and, and you know, this might be my perception of the way I'm being received too, right? Because I feel like I'm putting something out there that may or may not be popular opinion. But I feel like I am regularly talking about judgment and then there's so much stuff going on in the world today. Why are we judging these certain things, right? Right. And why do you care what I'm choosing or why would I care what you're choosing if we all just assume that we're doing the best we can as parents, professionals, women, whatever, and we lead from that place? That's where I feel like the world could really fundamentally change for women. And instead of feeling isolated or like someone who's stepping forward in a new and different way, again, with people that we surround ourselves with, they're very similarly minded, we would be able to grow the masses much more quickly. Yeah, I think you're right on. I mean, judgment is, a, <laughs> that one's a, it's a tough one because there's judgment sometimes comes with good intentions, but sometimes it's rooted in a place of, personal feelings of, again, feeling like you're trapped or feeling like you never got the opportunity, so therefore other people shouldn't, or that there's one way of doing things and it's, you know, the way that you do them. Like, so there's a lot of places where judgment comes from. And like I said, it's not always bad intention judgment. No. Sometimes it's good intention judgment. But again, it, it comes back down to the same thing with the expectations, right? Where it's like, you have to evaluate what's coming at you and then you have to decide if you're going to keep it or if you're going to throw it away. And I think too many people decide that they're going to just bring it all on, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to, to like the overwhelm. It comes back to the feelings of like being not quite centered and not feel quite grounded or kind of feeling like there's just too many things kind of coming at you at one time, which happens a lot. So I think judgment and all those things that you you you, you put together, the being real and, and being direct, it starts to kind of formulate into a mindset that gives power back to yourself versus giving your power away to everything that's around you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the final thing I'll say, you know, we've been working on this forthright women project for a while. Yeah. And one of the things that my husband and I strive for on a regular basis is what can we actually do in a week right? versus what are we going to have feelings about? (laughs) And so we just got hit hard, right? School started again. His travel schedule kicked up. Ann and I always have ongoing commitments and sometimes it's weird hours for things. 
And we missed the first soccer practice because my husband had stayed home for his 40th birthday and was taking an early flight out to go out to dinner with the kids. We made the decision. That was it. We made sure Sam was okay with it. Move on. And the next night we were supposed to do a meet the teacher. And I was like, I have a meeting with a client. He was traveling. Sorry, teacher. We won't be there. We move on. Right. And I think you're right. It That is something that or I try to identify as a strength for myself in order to shut down some of the noise that goes on outside of it. And then any feelings I have or or feelings other people have about it. And I just restate to myself what I just said before, which is I'm doing the best I can with the situation that I'm in. And then I just try to move on. I love it. Okay. You ready for some quick fire questions? Mm, I'm ready. Although these are the ones I'm not good at, but we'll we'll give it a shot. Yeah, I know. I'm not very succinct. Quick I know. Okay. Questions, right. April. Short answers. <laughs> Got it. I'll be. I'll be short. All right. First one. How and when do you unwind? Uh, running or working out in the morning. The more I can get that out of the way and done, the better my brain settles and I settle into my day better. Wine in the evening. Same reason. I can't shut my brain <laughs> off. <laughs> At the end of the day, I sometimes I just need to sit down and drink a glass of wine and sit in the quiet, which with two young kids, all of you listening know how feasible that is, but I strive for that. And then I mentioned being an achiever and a learner. Uh, so reading is a regular part of every single day, and I fit it in as I can, and I've learned not to stress myself out on the days that it doesn't fit, but on the ones where I can marry it with running or a drive somewhere, and I can really get that hit of either inspiration from the business side or escape from the, you know, just pleasure reading fiction side, I'm in a much better spot. Yep. I know that about you. (laughs) All right. Things or experiences. And what is your dream one? So my answer to this is almost always experiences. Although I do want to caveat with one example. So... (laughs) Because uh, it did, I it, you know, I'm trying to be forthright here and it did pop into my head when I thought about this question. But there have been moments in time where a thing symbolizes an achievement in my life. And really specifically, the first time I hit a salary over six figures, I bought myself a David Yerman bracelet for myself, right? And so I will say that I commemorate things with things, <laughs> I commemorate achievements with things. However, experiences, hands down. We love to travel. My biggest dream is, or what I'm looking forward to, is when the kids are old enough to travel outside of the country. They definitely have the travel bug. If we don't go somewhere, even like an overnight, like once every six weeks or so to India or wherever, they get stir crazy. I get stir crazy. But both Bryce and I really love seeing the world. We've missed it during COVID. And we talk all the time about the dreams to take the kids other places. And also for extended periods of time once they're old enough. So not just a week, but a month, you know, really pushing that travel agenda. All right. We won't be there for a few years. I recognize that. (laughs) But that's what we're striving for. It's good to have dreams. What are you reading or listening to right now? So I always have three things going. I always have a pleasure book that I'm listening to, a work book that I'm listening to, and a physical book that I am reading. And so in paper, I've lately really gone down the rabbit hole of Colleen Hoover. She's super popular right now. I'm reading my way through all of her books. Listening, actually, I took a departure from a pleasure standpoint from a lot of the mystery, murder, crime novels because I felt like that was 
maybe too close to some things happening in the world. So this summer I've taken a breather and I've gone back down the rabbit hole of some Nantucket like historical novels. Okay. So I've had some writers I used to go to. I got away from them um, but went back into that. And then for work, I just finished Power Moms. A little lukewarm on my review of that one. I think it was trying to make some good points and there were some good anecdotes, but, you know, I could take it or leave it. And now I'm in my first hour and a half of noise, a flaw in human judgment. And I will say it is dense, dense. Uh, So it's one of those ones that's going to be a homework assignment for me. But I think it's going to have some good learnings. It kind of delineates bias versus the noise that just happens based on situational stuff and how to really identify realistically what's happening in your organization. Hmm. All right. Our last quick fire question here. What is your favorite thing to do in Cincinnati that people may not know about? Yeah. So I could default to the easy answers here of I love living here because it's easy to get around or the cost of living. Um, But one of the things that I love about Cincinnati and I think people that aren't from here don't know is we've made a lot of strides in recent years. And for me, it's been fun to watch downtown develop and then over the Rhine develop and these other pockets. Now we're seeing connection points, whether it's trails throughout the city physically where you can get to places or neighborhoods that are connectors that are starting to be the next up and coming thing. And we are huge foodies. My husband worked at Jeff Ruby's here in town for 10 years. So he instilled the love of food and wine to me, which gets expensive sometimes. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) but I think I feel really proud of the city that we are becoming. We lived downtown until six months ago. When we first moved down there, it was crickets after five o'clock. Now it's a lot more urban. A lot of people are moving that way. And then, like I said, it's extending out. Like the radius is becoming bigger and bigger. And I just recently yesterday read another article about how we're a hidden gem and where a lot of other cities of our size and demographic have tried to do it and gotten it wrong. Cincinnati is one that continues to get it right. So. All right. Well, thank you for your not-so-quick-fire answers. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> but no, they were really good. They were solid. And thank you for being a forthright woman. Of course. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com, to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.